Welcome to the Ready Eddy Podcast, where we tell the story of startups in the outdoor sport industry through the voice of their founders. Before we get into today's podcast episode, I wanted to talk about the Red Yeti membership program, which we launched in the last six months. On this program, members can gain access to discounts of up to 50% off 70 plus startups in the outdoor space. In the last month alone, we've added 10 startups to the platform, and it doesn't look like we're slowing down anytime soon. Our goal is to have hundreds of startups on this platform so that members can go on and discover new brands that really align with their values and take advantage of all the discounts that are offered. In addition, members can apply to become ambassadors for these startups, all from one location. You fill out one form and then you just check which startups you'd like to have it sent to. We also are offering and showcasing all of the brand's new products that they're working on, showcasing prototypes and things like that, so you can really be kept up to date on everything new and unique that they're offering. We also are going to be doing some collaboration with these brands, showcasing some unique limited edition product that's only offered to Ready Yeti members. And lastly, we have a private Facebook group for all active members so that you guys can get to know each other, communicate, hang out, um, and really uh, get to know each other and help us build this movement in the outdoor space. So if you want to check this out, you can head over to readyyeti.com slash members and enter the code Yeti Podcast to get your first month free. What is going on, Ready Yeti Podcast listeners? Josh Savile here, your host. And on today's episode, I am sitting down with the co-founders of Sego Skis, Tim and Peter Wells. Peter and Tim, thanks so much for taking the time to chat with me. Absolutely. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thanks for having us. Without a doubt. So for the listener that may not be familiar with, with Sego, you guys are one of the premier manufacturers, ski manufacturers and snowboard manufacturers in, in the U.S. You make uh, all the skis, uh, all your boards in-house in uh, Victor, Idaho. I think it's you're definitely one of the uh, more unique uh, brands in that sense, um, which I think is super interesting. I'd love to start off with asking why you guys decided to create a actual manufacturing facility where you're not only just building your own products, but also that of other brands. I guess uh, we got into it. This is our second ski company. Um, the first was Deviation Skis and Snowboards, which myself and Peter and a couple other uh, people helped help found. And we were with them for several years. And after a couple of years, there's a difference in vision. And, and we parted ways uh, and wanted to really execute the vision Peter and myself had. And we ended up in Victor, Idaho to execute on that vision. Um, and that was in-house manufacturing, controlling the process and the product that was coming out the door. And that was super important to us as we started a ski company before and understood kind of some of the, all the variables that, that went into making a product. Um, but even before that, it's, we, we very much realized we're a lifestyle brand and there's lots of great skis in the market, but it, it does start with a quality ski and being able to control that process was really important as you know, year to year, as other ski brands jump factory to factory, and uh, just wasn't something we were interested in doing. It was important to touch each part of the process for us to put out a really high quality product. Now, it's really easy to see the the pitfalls of both major brands and boutique brands, and have the 
the know-how to be able to solve those pitfalls. And you really can't do that if, if you're producing in the same spot as everyone else. Uh, you're just as victim to those pitfalls as well. So in order to control the process, we have to bring it in-house, and that's how we make the highest quality skis that we do. That's interesting. So what would you say were some of the biggest pitfalls that you were encountering that a lot of the other brands uh, had to deal with? Um, I mean, there's a bunch, and a lot of them are, are small details, but, but it all adds up to a big picture. Uh, one thing is just uh, we really use uncompromised materials, which I'd say is relatively unique in the industry. None of our design is really based around a budget of what a ski has to be. It's this is the best material for the ski. We're going to do that. Uh, we're not sacrificing anything there. So that's kind of a foundation. Um, beyond that, uh, sidewall construction, how a ski fits into a ski vise, how it runs through a tuning machine is very critical uh, for the consumer as well as for ski shops. And the sidewall shape is a big part of that. Uh, being able to get it into a vise and do a nice hand bevel or run it through a car wash, a uh, big automated machine. Small details like that, you don't see in other boutique brands. Um, but we can allow our we can shape our sidewall in such a way that it can do that easily. Major brands do a great job at that. Um, the tune that goes into each ski, just being able to touch and feel, go through an exhaustive quality control process. And, and we give we give a lot of factory tours. We love doing that, um, showing our space. And at that part of the tour, you know, seeing all the tuning equipment, companies big and small don't always do a good job tuning skis. Large companies, because it takes time and they want to save money occasionally, and small companies haven't always made the investment or picked the investment either if they're not making their skis and pick a cheaper factory that's not doing a great job, or even a boutique company that is making their own skis, they don't have the equipment to effectively tune the ski to the quality um, that we do. And that's the first thing you're going to notice when you're on snow. Before the construction, the design, the materials, anything, it's how does it feel underfoot, and that's one of the things we're most proud of is the ski out the door, hot wax, top quality tune. It's going to ski great, and, and people see that and feel that. And if you're producing in not your own factory, really the only way to keep on top of all the variables is to be present for the whole quality control process, and the reality is that just doesn't happen. So for us to be able to touch and feel, go through every ski with a fine-tooth comb, make sure that the consumer is getting the best ski that they can. Definitely. No, I totally appreciate that. So obviously you have some background um, in ski building, but I guess really backing up even before that, what ultimately got you guys into deciding that you wanted to start and build a ski company? Uh, there's a couple answers, but I'll give you the, the short of the story. Uh, I was living in the basement of the gold miner's daughter at Alta in Utah and loved being a ski bum, loved skiing, skied, you know, 150 to 170 days a year, realized that this is my passion and I need to be a part of the ski industry for as long as I live, and uh, tried to brainstorm what the best method to be in the ski industry for a long time was. And called my brother, Tim, and said, hey, I've got an idea. Let's, uh, let's start making skis. Let's do this. And to my surprise, he said yes. <laughs> so 
wrote up a business plan and, and kind of took it from there. And the team and the funding came together, which was also a surprise. And so we then had an opportunity where we could execute upon it. And that's the vision. And as Tim opened up with, we're, we're really a lifestyle brand. And it's not just the lifestyle of our consumer, but it's a projection of the lifestyle that we want and that we try to live and try to share that and spread that stoke with everyone else. Definitely. Now, when you guys got started, you, were, you started in 2014, and it's been a few years, and you, you guys have grown actually quite a bit. You've grown pretty quickly um, to now getting close to 2,000 pair uh, a season, and that, that's, that's a pretty big number, especially being around you know, starting in 2014. What do you attribute the growth to? Uh, having done it once before and really having a vision and direction of where we wanted to take it, um, luck. Uh, part, partly of our own making and partly just in the right spot. You know, we settled in, in Victor, uh, the heart of the Tetons, and a lot of other people, like-minded people, settled around or were settled around us, uh, Lindsay Dyer being one. She's our premier athlete, and she signed with us after being in business four months and believed in us and our vision because she shares the same type of vision. She lives right down the street from Segos Factory. And she gave us credibility, and that allowed us to kind of, that was one of the building blocks of growth. Um, but also, having made ski several years before Sega with Deviation, knowing the path and what it took to get there, we wanted to be wholesale driven, drive volume, which we need. We have overhead as we, we own our own factory. Um, perseverance and time. Uh, and making a great product above anything else is, as we've been very fortunate with the awards we've come away with um, in this season and past seasons. I think we got seven awards between free ski. It was nine. Nine, sorry. Yeah. Uh, it's called nine. Uh, between Powder Free Skier and Backcountry Magazine. So um, products well reviewed, well constructed, and it just builds the credibility with, with the consumer, um, which is both the end consumer and shop buyers because we are those are our partners and we sell to them as well yeah i mean that, that's not an easy thing to do especially for a smaller ski brand um to to let alone even be reviewed by um you know the bigger the bigger um media sites in skiing and then come away with nine awards i mean that must be a pretty great feeling it does feel good. <laughs> a lot of our, it's, it's the little things, the little validating things that, that come up that you feel good about, but we don't really focus, overly focus on those, but it, it does feel good to get them and, uh, and then kind of move forward. <laughs> keep working hard. Definitely. And keep innovating. Yeah. <laughs> of course. Now, now, Tim, I want to ask you a little bit more about your background because I know it's a little bit different than... Uh, than Peter's, and you, you kind of stepped away from skiing a little bit um, for a part of your life, so could you walk through sort of your journey into getting in, back into skiing? Sure. I, I always enjoyed skiing. Uh, it, I was and I always wanted to be a ski bum, but was never able to pull the trigger. Um, so I was kind of our target consumer at one point. You know, skied 10 to 15 days a year, took a couple trips, disposable income, uh, turned out that money doesn't make me happy and uh, left the company I was working for and I was on a professional sabbatical as I call it uh, for a couple of years and that's when Peter called me up. He's like, yeah, I'm not doing anything. So, you know, I, I come from a, fa 
finance background. I was director of finance for a real estate development company in Baltimore for five years. And it's like, why not? This this could work. Um, had nothing to lose. And like Peter said, team, money, it all came together. So there was no reason not to try. Definitely. Now, I, I wanted to go back and talk about um, your connection with Lindsay Dyer. Because one of, one of the things that you guys are doing that I think is pretty unique, and, and I only know of really one other ski company that's doing this in uh, it's Coalition Snow and actually focusing on women-specific skis and honestly just building women's skis that don't suck. <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, so I'd love to sort of hear how that came to fruition and how the connection, and like you touched on a little bit and how Lindsay Dyer's from where you guys are based out of, but how, how did that really develop into um, the line that you guys offer where it's clearly... Um, above the rest in, in terms of offering quality for women's skis? Yeah, I honestly don't know why other companies don't treat women seriously. It's 40% of the market. Uh, women like to ski hard as well. So I, I, it doesn't make sense to me. They, companies could change their mind at any, any time to make a better women's ski. They just choose not to. Um, Traditionally, women's skis are made with just inferior materials. They're cheaper, uh, yeah, lower price point, and so you can't make it as good a ski at a low price point. It's just not as feasible. So we make our women's skis very similar to our men's skis, same materials, same construction fundamentals, not a lot of differences, just a high-quality ski. And, yeah, as Tim said, it's kind of baffling why other companies aren't tapping into that. And, and Lindsay had, when we got to talking, we shared a common vision of the mountains, but with women's skis specifically, we, we, it made sense. Um, and she's, she's the driver of our women's line and it's been really successful. So there's no reason to slow down. We have a full women's line this year, five models, um, which I think is pretty unique for, with, no, five, five women's models. Uh, for any boutique manufacturer to have a full women's line, um, and they all have awards over the last couple of years, every single one. Um, yeah, it doesn't make sense to me why other companies don't treat women as seriously. Um, and yeah, Coalition Snow, they're just women's. We like, you know, we appeal to both men and women. Um, I don't think there's a reason to pigeonhole ourselves. We're a lifestyle brand for, you know, for a skier. Definitely. Now, um, I, I want to ask you specifically on the actual development of um, your skis. And when you first started in 2014, obviously you had a few years experience. Um, but what what it really went into or goes into the whole prototyping process and um, developing an award-winning uh, model, right? Like, how do you take it from the idea in your mind to then building the first version to testing it. Like walk us through that process and how you guys do it. I'll start with the big picture and I'll let Peter finish it off because he designs everything. Starting with, you know, sliding down snow is not that rational. It doesn't make sense until you do it. So you can take all the science and, you know, material science and make a ski that's going to be perfect, but it's all about feel. And that's one of the reasons we have our own factory and are based in the Tetons, because we can turn around prototypes if we want to in 24 hours, test them, 
feel them out, get our athletes on them, get feedback, and do it again. Um, and that closed loop is really short compared to having someone else machine parts and sending it out here, having another factory make it, shipping it over, testing it, and that takes a long time. So our timeline to innovation is really short. Um, I'll let Peter talk about the specifics. Yeah, so the usual process is one of two things. Either it's an idea in my head, and oftentimes it's just I, I daydream while I'm waking up or I'm in the shower or I'm drinking beers at night. I always have ideas running through my head. Uh, those often turn into award-winning skis. Uh, the other route is I have a very open ear, and I listen to our athletes, and they always have ideas as well. They know what they want. They know what they like. They're often opinionated, and I, I listen and I make them skis. And I, I try to make exactly what they want, and I try to take concepts that don't relate into ski making into an actual ski, and, and oftentimes those win awards as well. Um, so really it's just seeing what the need is in the market and knowing what feels good, knowing the combinations of materials that feel nice underfoot, and then making some sense out of dimensions. And, uh, yeah, as Tim said, it's, it's really just our rapid prototyping, which allows us to dial a model in so fast. A great example would be this summer, uh, designing a ski for Dorian Densmore headed, and he was headed down to Argentina, one of our Sago athletes. And you know, he, he had an idea for a ski, came in, sat down, we designed some stuff up. We made three different prototypes all within about 48 hours and then sent them down on a plane, go ski down in South America, and then get the feedback from there. Now we're making the next round, as we speak, of those skis. But we were able to make three different iterations, you know, all in a row after finishing each one, giving it a flex, looking at the shapes and feels and all the details of it. Uh, so really quick. And then we can just make the next one, see how it compares. And it's all about being on snow and what the feeling for the ski is. And how it makes you feel as well. A uh, big part of my designs are confidence-inspiring. I'm all about making skis that feel solid underfoot. That doesn't necessarily mean they're heavy. But they just feel like a good platform. If, if you feel solid, you're going to go faster. And if you're going faster, you're probably having more fun. And that's the goal. Did you, did you guys have any mentors um, throughout this process and really honing your skills as 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 makers and then obviously as building in building a premier ski brand not really uh yeah not really any like building mentors or really any business mentors either uh, again i i kind of look to the athletes of their their design ideas and like what they're driving at so as far as design goes may, maybe i i try to live vicariously through the athletes now that I don't quite ski the 170 days a year anymore. But, uh, and, and not, yeah. I would agree with Peter. We didn't have any core mentors and, and in some ways that's probably to our detriment, but also a large strength that we didn't know we couldn't do that. I, I think the highlighting of women's skis is one of them. I think based on the industry, any industry professional that would have been a mentor would have said, don't focus on women. And they did. And they did. <laughs> and then we did, and it worked. Um, and Peter and I have a great working relationship and um, balance each other's ideas and work really well. And I think 
we're always willing to come up with the best or agree on the best idea. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, uh, not a core mentor, uh, but it's worked out so far. Yeah, it's interesting. Everyone has a certain different route, and um, you're mentioning the athletes in the sense they basically are like they're great um, for figuring that out, right? Because they're 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 experts in their craft. So uh, being able to use them to try out different models, make little tweaks, it really helps you make that perfect ski, and then you start winning awards. <laughs> yeah, and, and we're we're always listening um, to all you know employees to athletes to to anyone and we're always open to ideas and we kind of distill all those ideas and the Sego brand and, and the products we produce are are, uh, are the outcome definitely now now I want to ask you um, specifically since you guys have your own manufacturing facility you have complete control over pretty much every aspect of your business um, so I want to ask you in the sense of sustainability in manufacturing, obviously building skis isn't necessarily the most sustainable thing, <laughs> right? But how do you go about making sure that your process is as, as, is as efficient as it possibly can be? Uh, not efficient, I'm sorry, sustainable. <laughs> a couple things, um, you know, material choice. Um, we obviously don't want to waste either, um, which is, financially driven, but also for the environment. Um, we use a zero VOC epoxy, which is great for the environment, but also our employees. Um, so you're not wearing a respirator and layup. Um, it's a pretty harmless glue as far as epoxies go. You hear epoxy and people just set back like, oh, they think boat building and all these VOCs and just chemicals going to the atmosphere. Uh, we upcycle material. So, you know, we have given chair or skis to Colorado ski furniture. Uh, we have our own chair, shop skis, uh, artists take off scraps of the finishing process. Uh, so there's always, we always, we try not to throw things away. Inevitably we do. Um, but also kind of the, I think the enjoyment of people getting out in the outdoors, enjoying public lands on a product they really enjoy makes them care about the environment more so you're right making skis isn't green but we do what we can and most of our materials are domestic there are a couple things that come from europe but uh that's a one material out of many um so as far as the carbon footprint of transportation i think we're pretty low on the scale um we're not importing bamboo from china that has all sorts of glue in it um, for our ski course, we're using wood that's probably cut down within 500 miles. And that's not a function of being green. That's just, that's cost effective, um, as well. Um, and we like the way our, our skis ski with the materials we use. Um, so it's a, it's a balance for sure. There's no silver bullet. Um, but we, we do our best to not, yeah, not throw things away mm-hmm. and make a ski that lasts. Um, so you're not, as it is not the most green process that people can continue to use the same product year after year instead of having to buy another one. And we make, a, we make ski blades out of our strap materials. That's good. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Um, okay. So I want to ask you about sort of the, 
the day-to-day and I guess the culture that exists um, inside of uh, Sego Skis. And now we were talking offline that you have upwards of uh, a dozen or more people um, working during busy during the winter months, right? Um, so what is that environment like? And um, I'd love for you to walk us through, I guess, a day in the life. I, I mean, I, I guess it comes down to a team atmosphere. Um, I think we talked about earlier, I don't know if it's on or offline, that this we're perpetuating the lifestyle we want to live. Um, that's how Peter and I got together, founded two ski companies, and continue to, to grow Sego. Um, and that kind of trickles down to ourselves, employees, friends of Sego, and the general public that um, we hope buy our skis. Um, day in the life, I'll let Peter start on that front. Sure. Uh, the office folk, or the finger jockeys, as I refer to them as, <laughs> come in at, at uh, 9 a.m., uh, sit down, have their coffee, uh, really try to, you know, and that's sales and, and Tim, that's PR and marketing. Uh, the rest of the factory crew, which is the bulk of our employees, uh, rolling around one o'clock, so a good ski schedule. Everyone can make turns in the morning. And, and then they're working till nine or 10 uh, in pretty relaxed, but yet atmosphere, but yet it's still a factory and it's still manufacturing, very repetitive. Um, there's usually some some good music playing through the whole factory and there's always beer in the fridge for when the shift's done or maybe the last hour of your shift depending on how the day's going. And uh, really just try to keep fans relatively relaxed while we're, you know, it's we don't take ourselves very seriously, but what we do is pretty serious. And uh, try to have that trickle down where everyone's somewhat lighthearted but accountable and they, they take themselves only at a certain level and try to have a good time while working in a factory. And, and we didn't or I didn't think about this when we started the company but there is a, a level of satisfaction in, for ourselves and, and I was going to bring this up for the employees of making a tangible good um, that others enjoy and the satisfaction that uh, individual has and kind of that, that, that loop um, at a demo day when someone comes down and has a great time and someone at the tent's one of our production employees. It's the same thing as a chef serving a great meal um, and the patron saying how great the meal is. That level of satisfaction and that, that tangible good that we're producing um, stateside is different than a lot of people's jobs and, and how the economy's changed and we've been able to pick an industry where it can still work with domestic manufacturing um, and we're really proud of that. Yeah, I mean, uh, for a short while, I spent some time with with my co-founder building and designing skis, and you're so right. Actually, being able to build and create something and have that tangible product at the end of it is—it's just—it's such a great feeling. And in the U.S. specifically, since we're such a service-based economy, that most people don't really get to, get to do that, have that really mm-hmm. opportunity. So it definitely—it it is so unique, and it is such a great um, feeling of accomplishment. Yeah, and and try to allow our employees to have the opportunity to to show off a little bit and tell people what they've built and 
and why it's so great. Try to let them speak for the for the product, and they take a lot of pride and joy out of that. Um, Definitely. Um, what would you guys say? Well, actually, first I want to ask, where, how did you guys come up with the name? Uh, we get this question less and less, which is I enjoy because <laughs> it means we're more established and no one cares anymore. <laughs> but uh, it it. It's short, sharp, and memorable is is the answer. Uh, it's a lily that comes up kind of first of the season, the spring through the snow. Um, Mormon pioneers ate it in bad times, so did American Indians. Apparently, it tastes terrible. I haven't yet tasted said roots, but uh, it keep you alive. Um, but it's short, sharp, and memorable, and that's what we needed. It's pretty easy to come up with a shitty name, uh, and and it stuck. And the motivation behind the idea. Uh, it was really myself spending time in South America, and I was pretty intrigued by flowers g- growing through glaciers. And the closest flower I could find was the sago lily, which happens to be native to here as well. And uh, so just kind of a parallel, and it was the right name that, that, that fit the case. And uh, But it is one of the first lilies to grow in the spring, and uh, it'll pop through the snow. So that's kind of neat. Huh, I never knew that. Yeah. Um, what, what would you say have been some of the hardest parts about building Sago? Uh, I mean, uh, there, there's a lot of hard parts. Every day can be a struggle sometimes. It's a, you know, it's, it's always a cash flow and timing and trying to expand beyond our seams at all times and and when there's that market acceptance we can expand and we can make those sales and uh, we we say yes very often and and we're pretty good at following up and committing to our word and uh, delivering product so it's really just we're always playing catch up and, and that's hard it's a hard thing to be behind or right on every day but yeah, things things break. I mean, as we control all aspects of of the company from manufacturing to sales, there's always something going wrong. But realizing that we that we can solve the problem and yeah. move forward. That's always moving forward and trying to get in front of growth. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's probably the hardest thing is balancing how much in front of growth we want to be. Then there's no answer. There's no correct answer. It's just that's feeling. Right, right. Um, now, along the journey with building Sago, what have, what have been some of your greatest fears and how do you manage them? Um, I, I think it's helped that Peter and I co-founded the company so we can bounce a lot of ideas off each other. It can still be overwhelming at times, but it's on both our shoulders, not just one of ours, and that kind of helps to diffuse those fears. Um, one of the reasons we or I started deviation at first was I was willing to fail. I didn't. I was willing to give it a shot. Um, so of course you could be nervous, but I wasn't scared to fail. And with that outlook, we were able to succeed. So there's always hurdles, but I enjoy cup work. I'll speak for myself, but yeah, I enjoy coming to work every day. When that stops, I'll question what I'm doing. But I love what we do, what we're doing, how we're touching people, and 
the response we've gotten from the consumer and the public has been great. So uh, we continues to motivate us to to grow and uh, spread our vision. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. Um, now, what would you say have been some of the biggest mistakes that you guys have made? We struggled with this question. Um, <laughs> I'll, let Peter, I'll let Peter answer it. Uh, really, one of the biggest mistakes I think we've made to date is not making enough ski blades. There, there's so much demand, and we just haven't kept up on ski blade production. It's all just custom little ones here and there. We've got a ski blade athlete. There's full demand for it. Who won the Payne Schlonky last year? It's true. So he's and 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 we haven't we haven't fully committed yet, and that's a it's a mistake. So look for more snowblades from Sega. <laughs> Interesting. I, I, <laughs> we make mistakes. We make mistakes every day. <laughs> no question. Um, but it's hard to point to one big thing that uh, you know it's a everything's a growing opportunity. And sometimes a mistake just turns right into a success. So it's hard to pinpoint anything else. We've made enough mistakes, we can't focus on one. <laughs> yeah. But not enough for us to kind of inhibit growth. And yeah, we're, you know, we're just growing companies, so it's, it's good to do our best. Yeah, I mean, that's building a business. It's just a bunch of mistakes <laughs> all yeah, <sure>. together. <laughs> <laughs> Um, you know, what, what advice would you guys give to someone that um, wanted to start a business or more specifically wanted to start a um, outdoor um, focused business? I think realistic expectations is big and double the amount of money you think you need. With that, <laughs> go for it. <laughs> That's great. It's advice. tough. It's a grind. I, we work hard, and we've been fortunate to find like-minded employees that share our vision are also willing to work hard for the lifestyle that's been that we're creating. Um, but it's not a cakewalk, and you've got to love what you do. Um, and if you don't, I don't do it. But more money than you think you need, and and don't get carried away. Definitely. Um, now, in regards to um, the future, I know we were talking about this offline, and, and I, I said that you guys are basically the new Never Summer in the sense that you're you're obviously building your own line and you're manufacturing other brands as well. Um, what what do you what's in store? Or I guess what 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 do you guys have planned uh, for the future in the next year? five years, ten years, if you've uh, thought about it? So let's say next year, um, really solid growth, both direct and wholesale. You know, wholesale is really our focus. Um, so taking care of our, part, our current partners, growing that relationship and starting new ones. As our wholesale footprint, we have about 42, 44 shops. I, it might be a few more. We, we're kind of adding a couple every week um, as we get into the season. Uh, so really solid wholesale growth. I think we'll at least double our wholesale footprint um, in the next year. A good introduction to Europe will be at ISPO for the second year. Um, so starting to get that network going. Um, in the next five years, to be a global ski brand and 
premier North American manufacturer. And that, you know, that goes, those go hand in hand. Um, so we're really excited about that and have a great trajectory, good team in place. 10 years is too far. Let's get to five <laughs> um, and go from there. But uh, as far as production, we we plan to double our production next year. Um, so we'll kind of go from 2,000 to, to 4,000 pairs is, is the goal. Obviously, those orders aren't there and everything's subject to change. But um, we'd like to be at 4,000 pairs for next year, which I feel really good about and really stoked to accomplish those goals. Uh, will we be seeing snowboards in the future? Uh, not under Sega's name, um, but we're really happy. We're, we partnered with three small snowboard manufacturers. Um, we're making a run for each one of them, um, which accounts for about 200 snowboards um, that we'll deliver this fall, uh, really within the next six weeks. And we'd like to grow that side of the business. Um, we're really proud of the manufacturing facility we've created and you know there's obviously a lot of overhead and we want to continue to grow that side of the business uh, both from a domestic domestic manufacturing perspective um, but also helps us and make our factory even better um, and is just another revenue stream um, that helps helps us succeed mm -hmm. definitely now uh, for, for listeners that might find themselves in in Victor, Idaho, I know you guys offer tours and people can come in, uh, drink and drink some beer, do a tour, and really uh, chat about all the different uh, models that you guys offer. So, if any of the listeners are do find themselves there, then definitely I would highly suggest going checking you guys out and doing a little tour. At least I would. <laughs> Having my, uh, I get too excited whenever there's an opportunity to go um, go to a ski factory and get to see how they're built um it's always such a fun process but um i want to ask finally what what for you both of you guys is the best part about running sago skis uh best part uh, that's a hard one uh you know it's the enjoyment of seeing other other people our consumer on our product how much fun they're having that is the best part for me. Uh, and it makes me giddy and makes me smile every single time. And I've done countless demo days and put countless people out on skis. But when someone comes back and and they're smiling and they don't want to give the skis back, that that feels <laughs> great. And obviously, I, I love the lifestyle we've set up for ourselves. I I love skiing myself. I like being on them. But uh, and I didn't really anticipate that feeling going into this. But that's really been. Uh, every season, what makes me smile is seeing everyone else have fun. Yeah, we. Yeah, I think I, I go back to the lifestyle we've created for ourselves, our employees, and you know, we we sell pleasure products that people get on skis and they have a great time. If you're not having fun on skis, don't do it. Uh, you can snowboard. But it, yeah, people, it, it, it is amazingly satisfying seeing people come down from a demo day or, you know, back to the tent and that smile, you know, they've had a great time and that's, that's unbelievably satisfying. Yeah, I can, I can hear the passion in both your voices and uh, it's, it's always fun to be able to sit down and hear the story and you talk about that lifestyle and that's really what everyone's trying to do, right? They're trying to create their career and build it around the lifestyle that they really want um, and enjoy and for both of you it's obviously being in the mountains and being able to ski 
um, and just be outside, right? And um, I, I think that's such an important uh, lesson and just, um, I guess, example that you guys have created that it really is possible to go out there and um, build that lifestyle that you want to and, and use that to inspire other people to get outside. Um, and, and I appreciate you guys both for doing that because it's, it's, it's not an easy thing to do. I'm sure there have been a lot of moments over the last couple of years where you're like, why the hell did we do this? <laughs> um, but at the same time, obviously, you're, you're, you're building a pretty great thing, right? Um, now, now, for the listener who wants to keep tabs on, on what you guys are doing and, and follow along, where's the best place for them to do that? Um, you know, your traditional social, traditional social media channels. Um, we have a newsletter that we send out monthly, monthly ish. It'll probably, you know, it's month uh, every six weeks in the summer, but for two to three weeks in the winter, um, you can sign up that up, sign up for that on our website, sagoskis.com. Um, we have a blog on our website. You can look at that. We always, we're getting better and better at just fresh content and, you know, just great stories from our athletes and what, what we're up to and, um, our community is up to and as you mentioned before we love giving factory tours um we just got a new showroom at the corner of town and victor um couldn't be a better location so it will be showroom and bar which we're super stoked to for people to come in um and give factory tours and just show show what we do because we're we're really proud of it Mm -hmm. yeah and your facebook and, and instagram we're, we're posting on there every day. We don't tweet very often. No, not good at that. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, uh, well, Tim and Peter, I really appreciate you guys taking the time. And for the listener that um, wants to enter, they can. We can. We're going to be giving away a pair of skis from Sego on ReadyEddy.com. So if you want to head over to ReadyEddy.com, you can enter for your chance. Uh, uh, to win that pair, and um, with that, guys, I, again, I really appreciate you taking the time uh, to chat with me and share your story, and uh, I'm really excited to see what you guys do in the future. Thanks so much. Thank you. If you enjoyed today's podcast episode, then we would be incredibly appreciative if you could log on to iTunes and leave us a quick review. This really helps us get noticed by other podcast listeners like yourself. And if you know anyone that would benefit from this episode, then please share it along. Well, that wraps up this episode of the Ready Ready Podcast. We'll catch you guys next week.